Welcome to the Contemplative Podcast. Contemplative Podcast. Hi, this is Matt Emery and welcome to the Contemplative Podcast in conjunction with Contemplative Classical and Headphone Commute. If you're new to the podcast, this is the second episode of our new series, and you can listen back to the first episode where I chat with Hannah Pill at all the usual places of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Headphone Commute SoundCloud. And if you enjoy, please do consider subscribing. This month, I'm delighted to share my chat with legendary composer, trumpet player, and Gondwana label record owner, Matthew Housel. We chat about his latest album, Salute to the Sun, his new band, Living in Japan, his label Gondwana, dream records to perform on, and much, much more. There'll be also snippets of music from Matthew's album Salute to the Sun along the way, starting with his beautiful track Tropical Landscapes. Welcome to the Contemplative Podcast. It's uh, great to get the chance to speak to you. Um, it'd be a great place to start with maybe your new album, Salute to the Sun. Um, it's a beautiful record. And I understand you recorded the album yourself um, with some great Manchester musicians. Uh, can you tell us some more about the inspiration behind the album and the recording process of the album? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, I've been involved in, well, studied sound engineering uh, when I was sort of 18 years old, 17, 18. And uh, I've been passionate about the recording process since then. I sort of got really into a lot of uh, electronica music and production as well. So it sort of started with a passion for that and then sort of realised I could actually start recording more of the jazz stuff that I'd been performing from an earlier age. Um and uh yeah right right up to sort of fast forward to my recent times and uh i've i've managed to over the last sort of 10 12 years build a really nice studio um at my house um which uh, allows me to record musicians in every room of the house uh, with head headphone mixes and everything uh set up so um what we agreed as as with these um i sort of set up a new band of musicians recently and the main reason for that was to um increase the energy and focus of the project um i wanted to challenge myself as a writer and a sort of producer and recording engineer so so um i put together a bunch of musicians who all agreed to record every wednesday um sort of between 10 and let's say 6 7 p.m so um we would get everything set up and basically have a really relaxed day um playing new material and practicing sets for live shows and 
um, doing the odd cover just for fun. Um, and um, we sort of we've recorded about maybe three three or four albums in in this phase in quite a short amount of time because one of the challenges for me that i like is that every week i have to sort of score out two or three new tunes um so you can imagine over the course of a year or two you suddenly end up with a lot of interesting material um and Salute to the Sun was the one that I decided to release first. Um, I've got another two that are sort of in a good place at the moment that I'm listening to, but uh, I would say Salute to the Sun worked perfectly for... the. I didn't actually know that we would be stuck in a pandemic lockdown when I, when I was uh, signing it off and, and completing it. It was, it was one of those things where... I think the writing process for that one was quite good fun for me because it was a, about um, escapism, which a lot of my music is. It's about sort of traveling and journeys and escapism. And uh, I was sitting in my house in Manchester looking out the window but listening to tropical rainforest and jungle sounds um, that I'd found on various platforms like YouTube and iTunes and stuff. Um, and just using those ambient sounds and just recording uh, uh, lots of instruments over the top of it and seeing what sounded quite nice and exotic. And uh, one of the things that was uh, really nice was uh, kalimba and marimba and lots of percussive instruments. So that sort of gave me a clear direction of how I wanted it to sound. And even the more traditional instruments such as piano and double bass and flute and saxophone I kind of wanted them to play in a more relaxed kind of like they were sort of sat in some sort of a Gauguin painting sort of a tropical landscapey kind of environment so that was the the sort of basics of of my journey with with it all yeah and and did you do you write the tracks and bring them to the band or do you do you um sometimes uh, do you sort of sit in a room and flesh it out between the five of you or do you normally have something sort of more prepared for them to play through? Well, the nice thing with this record, um, it was that um, we recorded the the main bulk of the more heavily composed tunes by me first. And then I decided to experiment and sort of play around with the idea of the musicians sort of just playing over these ambient rainforest sounds and to see if we could create some nice improvised um, pieces that, uh, that would sort of loosen up uh, the more composed tracks by being like nice interludes or kind of um, opening tracks. Um, so the first track on the album is kind of, it, it's, uh, it was recorded and produced and arranged by me but it sort of features the musicians playing really freely um i explained what we what we were trying to achieve which was like um this this ambient rainforest kind of journey and then then we just all performed and improvised together and that track's beautiful harmony with nature um and and i'm really sort of i love that idea of of a collective sort of sound on that um and the only other track that's more improvised is uh, the interlude mindfulness meditations which uh, i started off on trumpet just improvising over some percussion and 
and then the band just comes in and plays over it as if as if it was a solo at any point in my tunes um but yeah i mean this this band are really really um special i feel really lucky to and energized to be working with them they're fantastic musicians and uh really supportive and seem to understand and appreciate my uh ideas so yeah how, how how did you um come about the guys playing in your band are they people sort of in the manchester scene that you've you've found or are they sort of in other bands that you worked with or yeah um so yeah they're, they're all pretty much based there's only one player that's based in leeds and the rest are all manchester based and that was deliberate so that we could meet up uh, easily every week and work on new material um and i spent quite a lot I'm, I'm one of those people that doesn't do anything half-hearted so there was no rock unturned or stone unturned uh, looking for musicians uh, i went to pretty much every jam session i could find uh, i wanted some younger musicians that were a bit more hungry and uh, appreciated this opportunity to record and release music with me um and do touring eventually um, so, so some of them were found through jam sessions. Some of them were found through, uh, other projects, um, and others, um, like Matt Cliff, um, who's the flute and saxophone player. He's based in Leeds. Um, he's the outsider in some ways, but also essential and, and the sort of adds a lot of different color and dynamics and and plays a lot of solos on the records but he was in a fantastic group called ancient infinity orchestra um and they're based in leeds and they they sort of they're a little bit more out there and cosmic uh obviously heavily heavily influenced by the more spacey sunra avant-garde stuff but um uh in particular myself and my brother who co-produced the record with me uh we really liked his playing and his personality he has quite a we what we watched him play live that band and and we both said he had a really calm sort of mellow positive um vibe on stage and and felt like a good character to have in the band and all the musicians on this record are actually really nice chilled out positive people uh, which was important it sort of i wanted that to come across in the record as well so. there is that um daniel who he yeah. does your artwork yeah he's he's been involved in the label since the beginning uh he's he's a bit of a kind of hidden um artist and kind of uh, graphic designer and and incredibly good at a and r and uh kind of his ears for music and in, uh, in general are brilliant so he's been really like 
since day one with Gondwana, uh, it was myself and him that decided to set it up. He At that point, he was living in London, so he just did the graphic design and sort of signed off the tunes with me and sort of gave me good advice. Uh, there's nothing better than uh family opinion uh my brother's like a twin to me so so his feedback was brutal from day one about about what what he felt uh was good and bad and all the rest um so uh yeah we've been working quietly together uh he, he he's very humble he doesn't like people to know too much about his involvement in the label which is uh which is kind of a shame in some ways I, I really want to celebrate it more but uh he he likes to be behind the scenes and 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 uh, is is paramount in everything we do so going to mention your your music's quite meditative i find um like i remember reading about your writing process of fletcher moss park sort of getting up early and taking your laptop to the botanical gardens um do you do you visualize when you write do you actually see anything when you are writing your music at all yeah i mean i'm I'm always trying to paint a visual um picture or atmosphere um for for the listener i think i think that that's one of the great things about recording sessions and and being able to write music that takes the listener on a journey and 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 offers some escape and and sort of meditative peacefulness um so uh a lot of my music's inspired by traveling um so um i've been to japan quite a lot um really love the japanese gardens and architecture and kind of nature uh, side of japan and some of the instrumentation the sort of space within a lot of japanese music and the instruments like the koto and stuff um but when i was writing fletcher moss park as an example i sort of um i felt like i wanted to capture the atmosphere and energy of that place it was one of my favorite parks in manchester um it's in didsbury in south manchester and uh the botanical gardens are really peaceful and and quite magical um so i just used to yeah get up as pretty much as the minute the gates opened i I would go in in the morning and sit with my laptop and headphones on and uh, write for a couple of hours each day um and that was the the whole album was pretty much composed there um with Fletcher Moss Park album and I think there's something really nice about um a record having a place that connects it um it's something I guess even as far back as like the Beatles and stuff I really liked Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane and things like that that you sort of think about those places and nostalgia in 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 your life and journey um and even the some of the track names on on uh, Fletcher Moss Park, there's a track called uh, uh, "The Sun in September," and that's actually a little uh, Sam Smith pub uh, not far from where I lived um, 
in Manchester as well. So lots of that, like, I like things that have like a nice sort of double meaning to it, where it's a, a little local pub that I occasionally go to, or uh, also sounds like a really nice track title. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> um, you, you've kind of really uh, just touched upon what I was going to ask next was that I, I'd read, I, I don't know if I'm right that you may have lived in Japan or is it just travelled across Japan? I spent some time in Japan. I had a monthly rental flat there and I went uh, sort of as in Osaka quite a lot. I went to Tokyo and uh, Kyoto uh, quite a lot um, and also down uh, to uh, Kobe and places like that and across um, to a, a little island to a, a sort of city area called Ahime, Ahime I think it's pronounced um, and out into the countryside and stuff so yeah that that was a really nice uh, experience for me um, I've traveled quite a lot I've been lucky that when I was sort of 14 I got in a uh, into sort of touring big bands and stuff and and even at 14 I think I did a one of my first big tours was uh, Kuala Lumpur Singapore Perth Sydney and Brisbane and then I did Russia and uh, American New Orleans um, all within a couple of years of each other and amazing experiences at that age um, and, and to do it with big bands with lots of musicians was a lot of fun and definitely gave me the hunger to kind of do more of that um, as I've got older I've kind of I've kind of burnt myself out a bit and I kind of prefer uh, appreciating the things on my doorstep and uh, especially with COVID you sort of uh, now um, focus more and more on a sort of one to three mile uh, radius of your house so so which I've been enjoying it's you know it's nice to to not tour and not to use planes and stuff but uh it happened back then so speak about Gondwana which you uh, founded in 2008 and uh, as I understand you originally set it up to release your own music did you ever envision at the beginning that you would be sort of moving on to sort of releasing other people's music as well well it's um I mean the record label really started because of I moved to Manchester from Liverpool I was living in Liverpool for quite a while and then um, I love Liverpool it's my my grandma's from uh sort of Everton area um and um uh once I moved to Manchester I, I I moved because of the jazz scene in Manchester really um the jazz scene in Liverpool was uh, at the time not not particularly exciting or anything going on um I think it's a bit better now um certainly and there seems to be more venues and opportunities and people supporting it but um uh, I moved to Manchester because of basically one club, uh, Matt and Fred's Jazz Club, which at the time was owned by Matt Nixon, a jazz saxophone player. And um, he used to put on 
uh, jazz seven nights a week and uh, you would have half a cinematic orchestra playing on a Friday, Saturday night. So the drummer, Luke Flowers, uh, Phil France on bass, uh, John Ellis on piano, uh, the turntablist Patrick Carpenter PC used to play a lot. And then there'd be various different horn players on on there and, and stuff. And I absolutely loved the energy and vibe of that. And I actually tried to get a load of those musicians to put some uh, music out on my label early on. Uh, but you can imagine a, a 24, 23-year-old um, guy asking a bunch of people that were already well-established and respected, uh, you know, do you want to put something out? I've got no money, but I, I'm, I'm going to set up a record label. And uh, I didn't get very far. Uh, so, so my other solution was that I was writing my own music anyway. So I was just like, let's get as many of these musicians on on those records um so my first album features john thorne on um bass on double bass who's one of my favorite bass players other than gavin uh barris um john played with lamb and many other sort of interesting sort of hip-hop and sort of electronic uh, uh projects um and also uh it features Chip Wickham on flute and saxophone and Chip had been playing with uh, like Ray and Christian and Only Child and uh, a lot of the sort of Manchester trip-hop and hip-hop stuff that I really liked. Uh, he'd been touring with Badly Drawn Boy as well. So so I was sort of got, I managed to get those two on, on my first album uh, from the Matt and Fred scene. Um, and then the rest were young guns that were just um, up for uh, getting involved. Um, also managed to get Nat Birchall actually on the last track on my first album, who was part of the Matt and Fred scene, who became a crucial part of my band for a good run of time. Um, so the first album is essentially my me trying to pull together all that all of that energy and uh, focus of the uh, the sort of scene that was happening in Manchester. It's less of a sort of in some ways, I regret it being Matthew Holsall because it was the idea originally was to try and capture more of a Manchester sort of scene. Um, but, you know, in some ways that, that worked out long term when I sort of started using musicians from all over the place. It sort of allowed me to do that without any confusion. quite a family vibe within Gondwana. Um, obviously, you've just released the split series with uh, Hania Rani and Portico Quartet remixing, reworking each other's tracks. Like, do you think that is an important part of the label and, and quite a, a reason why Gondwana has, you know, had, had such success? I think, I think personally building, you know, a real family vibe and everyone pulls together, it's all for one and one for all. Do you think that, um, yeah, has really helped move forward? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a musician and a and an artist, and so I, I have a good understanding of of sort of what other musicians and artists would like and what support they need. And certainly, you know, from my journey with very little money at the beginning and stuff and, and experience, uh, you know, I can pass on a lot of knowledge and, uh, and help in that way. And I also really, I listen to the musicians and, and, and who they're into and stuff um, a lot. So my A&R isn't just like very stubborn and kind of rigid to what I really like. Um, I, I've uh, I remember when I signed Go Go Penguin. I, I signed them because I was working a lot with the drummer Rob Turner, and then he showed me some of the stuff uh, that he was planning to do with Go Go Penguin. I really liked it, um, in particular the track Last Words, which was a sort of uh, Aphex Twin Flim kind of vibe. Um, and um, when I when I was working with Gogo Penguin a lot, um, they were touring their first and second album. Um, they introduced me to a band, Mammal Hands, which was, uh, they, they'd done a gig together at um, a mostly jazz festival in Birmingham. Uh, Mammal Hands had played before Gogo Penguin and, and the bass player out of Gogo Penguin, Nick Black, has sent me a message saying, I really think you should check out these guys. I so checked them out and absolutely loved the track Kandiki off the first album. They had a video of them performing it um, and some some other live versions of it. And that one track was enough for me to sign Mammal Hands. So they had a bit of a connection together and a respect for each other, uh, which was really nice. And then um, Obviously, uh, artists like Phil France and John Ellis had known from the Matt and Fred's Jazz Club days and really wanted to work with them. And they they started to understand what I was doing uh, through the success of Go Go Penguin and stuff. So, um, and um, artists as you know, Han Yurani uh, was was a huge fan of Portico Quartet uh, in particular, and. Um, I think it was a big pull for her and a reason she sent... She she was the first signing we did through the demo side of our uh, website and stuff. Um, we get a lot of demos, but Hanyarani clearly knew the sound and identity of the record label and sent me a load of amazing demos. And uh, we signed her pretty much immediately from, from getting receiving the demos. Um, and Portico Quartet came through... I discovered them at the very, very beginning of their career, but I didn't have a record label then. Uh, I went down to London to the South Bank with a friend uh, for a couple of drinks, and and um, uh, she uh, recommended that we went and checked out Portico Quartet Busking on the South Bank, um, uh, which was brilliant. Uh, they were they were they were playing their first album, Knee Deep in the North Sea, and I don't think they had a record deal then, but they'd pressed up their own CDs and I said I said to them there and then uh, I wish I had a record label I'd love to work with you and I bought their uh, their own CD that they'd made together I still got that I cherish that as a, a starting point to why they've now signed to Gondwana um, and yeah 10 years later I was able to sign them uh, because they'd known me that long and knew I'd been to all their gigs and really wanted to support and invest in them so nothing's very kind of short term uh, a lot of the 
artists have known me a long time and and sort of know my personality and even the new signings that I haven't announced yet I've been I don't really I have a different approach to the whole sort of business side of running a record label I don't really like offering out contracts or anything to to a later date because I think it can get a bit um stressful and a bit kind of put a lot of pressure on so I tend to work with artists for six months and see if we can get the right demos and record together and then if everyone's happy with that process of collaborating and and my feedback um my brother's feedback or whatever label feedback uh and the artist feels relaxed and confident that they're in the with the right team then then we start doing the paperwork uh so it's so it's not a kind of um you know let's sign as many artists as we can on the dotted line and sort of have a monopoly on the northwest of england you know it's um it's very slow and kind of mellow um but that that gives artists a nice sort of uh confidence when they when they do finally sign that they know what they're getting into um so yeah find it a struggle to um sort of find the time to do a bit of everything obviously you're releasing music as an artist and you're running gondwana and you're producing you you've got a, a show on um worldwide fm is it is it hard juggling everything sometimes or do you are you very is everything scheduled down to the dot um i wish it was uh, no it, it 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 goes through phases i mean i i tend to be one of those people that whatever i do I do it a hundred percent or not at all. So, so with the worldwide FM thing, I I probably spend about a day or two just totally in that headspace working on that. Um, I, I really like having a radio show. I've I kind of grew up listening to Giles Peterson and Mr. Scruff's uh, Hot Pot radio show and uh, all all sorts of radio stations, and they were in, really really important in in my education. Uh, I'd say more than a lot of the stuff I learned in my life about music and the record industry is tends to be much, uh, much more outside of education than inside. Um, so, uh, Giles and Mr. Scruff were hugely important. Um, so to have a radio station, uh, that would support my record label and offer me that opportunity, uh, I really take it seriously. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess, uh, um it gets it can get quite quite um crazy i remember when we did the 10th anniversary thing we did 10 uh gondwana events in 10 different cities across the world um we did like tokyo and um uh, berlin and i think we did hamburg and uh and um belgium uh, brussels uh, um, all sorts of places like uh, across the world and um that was quite intense um but it was you know it's important 10 years is a really important point in our journey and uh, we we were sort of at a very positive point as a record label we'd done really well at that point so we felt good um 
but at the moment i'm i've got a fantastic team of people working with me it's not just me and my brother it's um i've got a general manager kirsten who's been amazing um throughout um the last sort of nearly 10 years now and then we've got a label manager adam who's brilliant um who who does a lot of the sort of nuts and bolts of a release now um and uh, we've also got a digital digital marketing uh, person involved so i do have the luxury if i wanted to i can i don't often use them for my own social media but even if i got sick of that i could um, get them to do most of my posts um, so that allows me more time to work on my music and other artists music um, but yeah you just sort of focus on whatever feels most important uh, day by day I guess cool and and very last question I wondered if there was uh, one record that you could have played on at all um, is there anything that sticks out in mind that you would have uh, would be a, a dream record to have yeah been a part of uh, in terms of from my label or, or uh, just um, no just just uh, in, general. in general is is there a, is there a record that you think oh that would would have been you know a dream to play on that record I think um, obviously the two cinematic orchestra albums every day and motion um, maybe Matthew Herbert's bodily functions album was quite an amazing album um, but uh, yeah I mean there's lots of 60s 70s records that I love to have just been a fly on the wall in the room uh for those sessions Farrah sanders ones um uh you've got to have freedom would have been a great track to play on um but you know the journey to the one album is one of my favorite pharaoh records um love is everywhere is a great uh track as well by pharaoh um i don't have I me mean, yeah where does it end lots of alice coltrane albums uh but they're all brilliant without me so um i'm kind of might not have been as good if I'd got involved. Uh, who, who, you know, it's it's best to just focus on what I can do now. I'm uh, I'm happy with that. So, cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. And um, yeah, best of luck with everything going on with Gondwana and your own music. And yeah, we look forward to the next record. It sounds like it's it's there's there's stuff ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the support. Cool. Thank you very much. Cheers, you too.